Thanks, Paul, and thanks, Darren. I love Damo's story. Isn't it encouraging as you kind of go down the path of um, just serving God in the way you feel called to do it? And sometimes you do wonder, am I on the right path? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with the people I'm supposed to be doing it with? Am I really making a difference in the lives of the people that I feel called to impact? And God just kind of meets you there and says, yeah, let, let me give you a little taste, a little taste of what heaven's seen of what your life is actually doing. I love the fact that that was uh, Tori's experience as she's kind of embarking on this new experience of going to New Zealand and finding out more about um, how, how we can be truly uh, one nation in right relationship with our First Nations peoples and all those who have God's called to this place. How do we live together in harmony? Uh, is that really what she should be dedicating her life to? Well, in the middle of the forest in Mandurah somewhere, um, there's the guy who lives in Adelaide who's coordinating that tour. Bang, there you go. There's a God incidence. Um, isn't it great to have that sense of we're doing what God's called us to be doing. We're serving the people God's called us to be serving. We're using the things that God's given us to use. But do you sometimes feel a little bit unsure about whether that is actually true for you or not? Or do you feel in this really connected world where we are seeing stuff across our internet, or across our TV screens and in our neighbourhoods and in our schools and in our workplaces, do you feel sometimes so bombarded with different needs that you just feeling like, I don't, know, I don't even know how to begin. In fact, I'm kind of that compassion fatigue thing. I think there's so much. I just want to crawl into a ball and just say, man, I just, I just want out of here. There's too much need. I can't handle it. Do you ever feel that way as well? Uh, or that there's so much going on in your family and in your friendships and you feel like you're pouring yourself out into all these different people and you've got nothing left and, and you don't know if it's doing any good anyway. So, so that's the kind of stuff we're thinking about today as we think about stewardship. We're thinking about stewardship of our tribe. Who are the people? that God's put around us, and how do we step into those relationships uh, in the way that God has called us to do? What is stewardship of our, our tribe? That, that's a weird concept and weird language, but we are not the first people to ask that question. There's a story in the Bible uh, that is um, a, a great example of somebody who's asking the question, well, who, God, do you expect me to help here? Um, now, remember, as we've been going through stewardship, that stewardship is really simply, it's not what we do for God. It's what we do with what God's given us. God's grace always comes first. So stewardship is simply about managing God's blessings in God's ways for God's glory. What does that look like in the lives of the people God chooses to connect us with? Well, let's ask ourselves the question, who is God asking us to serve? Who has God put in our circle of influence, our sphere of influence, that we're meant to be making a difference to? There was an occasion where an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus saying this, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's not the first time Jesus was asked this question, but his response in each occasion is really, really similar. Well, what is written in the law, Jesus asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Get the significance of what Jesus has just said there. Hey, if you can do this, you've earned your way into heaven. Because that was the question. How do I inherit eternal life? How do I know that I've got it? Well, just do this. If you can do that, you're in, buddy. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? What does it mean, wanting to justify himself? I think there's a couple of different senses there. One, that was too easy. Got, Jesus got out of the trap too, too quickly. He wants to still nail this guy with, with a misstep in quoting the law. So he's, he's wanting to justify, hey, I'm an expert. I should be able to trip you up. I think there's that element. But I wonder if there's also this element where he goes, um, 
Jesus, you've just put the bar here. Um, and, and I thought that I was actually doing pretty well. I'm an expert in the law. I know what to do. I know the commands. I do a pretty good job of keeping them. But you've now quoted me back at me and I'm required to love my neighbour as myself and love God with everything I have. Can, am I really capable of that or do I need to lower that bar a little bit? Well, let's follow the conversation as Jesus oh, hang on a minute, addresses that element of well, what, what, is, what is this really saying? What is this really calling us to do? Uh, how would I like to be loved? Because that's what Jesus has just said. Hey, if you can do this, you're in. You're one of God's people. What does it mean to love your neighbour? So let's let's think about that. What if I were in poverty? What if that's what my neighbour looks like? How would I like to be loved if I were in that situation? They would love probably for me to share their wealth, my wealth with them, wouldn't they? What about the person who is homeless and would love to be welcomed in? What about the person who is lonely and would love to be given some time? Or the person who is uneducated but would love to be taught. The person who's angry and just would love to be understood. The person who's addicted and would love to be given something better than what they're craving. The person who is boastful and arrogant but would just love to be accepted as they are, for who they really are. Or the person who's been caught out in sin and they would love to be forgiven. Or the person who's been sinned against and would love to have their hurt acknowledged. As we think about the people who are around us, there's a lot of ways that they're needing to be loved, right? Are you capable of loving all of those people according to their needs? If you are, you're in. You've made it. You've proved you're good enough for heaven. But I think if the lawyer, like us, is honest and looks at what it means to really love your neighbour as yourself, whatever it might be going on for you and how you would love to be loved in that situation, you go, well, I don't know if I'm actually able to do that. And that list is just the tip of the iceberg. So he needs to make sure he can qualify for eternal life. So he asks the question, well, then who is my neighbour? And Jesus answers like this. Who are the people that God really expects me to love in the way that I would like to be loved if I was in their situation? Surely it can't be everybody. That's too much. So who, who is it? Who am I supposed to love this way? Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Well, the one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, Go and do the same. Such an interesting conversation. The first question was, well, who is my neighbour? And Jesus really turns around and says, well, who are you being a neighbour to? But he doesn't whittle it down the way the lawyer was hoping that he would. You know, as long as you're looking after your family and the people in your village, you know, that, that, just do that. That's, that's what you can manage. 
I'll be content with that. If you do that, you can get into heaven. Maybe just look after your ethnic group, the people in your nation. You know, if you're doing that well, that's enough. You can get into heaven. Or maybe it's, it's just the people. Don't worry about everyone you see on the news. But if they're actually, uh, if you come across them physically in person, you look after them then. He's wanting to get that whittle down to make it manageable. But Jesus doesn't do it. He says, well, whoever you are a neighbor to, that's your neighbor. But who's that? <laughs> How are we supposed to deal with that? How are we supposed to know who we can love? And it's at this point. Most people get the story of the Good Samaritan completely wrong. We get the lesson of Jesus turned around to be the opposite of what he's really saying. We kind of take it on ourselves as almost that guilt trip of, okay, so that's what, I'm, what I have to do. I've just got to love everybody. And if I see somebody in need, I've got to meet that need because that's what people going to heaven need to do. Do, do you kind of get that vibe? Is that the, the message that you take? We've got to be like the Good Samaritan. When? Oh, you, just, you just have to do it. You've got to be that person all the time. And you can't. And that is exactly Jesus' point. There's only one person who's capable of loving every single human being according to their needs, and that was Jesus. He knows the rest of us can't hack it. What he's doing there is pointing out how you, you actually aren't able to qualify for heaven. You're not able to be good enough to earn your way into my kingdom. You actually need me to accept you as you are. You're more like the guy beat up on the edge of the road than you are like the good Samaritan, if we're going to be really honest. You need my help. And when I rescue you, then you become a rescuer like me. When I save you and make you more like myself, then my love will naturally flow out of you toward others. It's interesting, the couple of guys who um, were travelling down the road, the priest and the Levite, you know what they had? They were in the right people group, they had the right education, they had the right rule book that told them what they should have been doing. You know, they had all of the resources they need. This is their community, this area. They had networks, they had all that stuff. The one thing that the Samaritan had that they didn't have was what? Yeah, it was compassion. He didn't make a choice. I think I really ought to help this person. I suppose that's what a good person would do. No, when he saw the guy, there was something already in him that bubbled out and said, I've got to do this. I can't just walk past here. This, and literally, it means there's something stirring in his bowels. I don't want to get too graphic. Luckily, the younger kids are out. But that is actually the root word of what that, that word translated as compassion is. It's this gut feeling that I cannot walk past this. I can't just continue on my way here. I don't need a rule book to tell me. I don't need some sort of uh, contractual obligation. I don't need to look around and see who's looking. Yeah, I suppose I can't get away with this one. No, there's a, something in my gut that just says, I've got to step in here. Now, as uh, what's, is it Steve Kerwin? Tony, I was going to say, I knew I had that wrong. You know, that, that was the thing. I'm in this situation and all of a sudden I've been kicked in the guts and it's like, I cannot walk past this. Um, it's as you move through life trusting that our God is sovereign enough that when you need to experience this moment of compassion, act on that right now. Because that's God channeling you toward the people that he needs you to be a blessing to. You can't do that for everybody, but you must do that for somebody. Because that's what God's people are like. So that's why Jesus doesn't very conveniently answer the question and say, okay, these are the people, tick, tick, tick. Okay, start with your family, then maybe move to your local community, make sure you look after your church. And if you're in a school, make sure... No, no, he just doesn't write a list. If you're a child of God and if his spirit is within you, you will get the kick in the guts when you need it. But are you interested in that? Is your heart soft enough to receive that? That's really the question. See, when we have remembered that we have received the mercy of God, 
That's what transforms us to be that kind of person who wants to be an instrument of God's mercy to others. And it's going to look so different. And I was going to have a go at Darren. I decided not to. And I was going to pick on Tori as well and say, well, hey, well, it's nice for you to care about those people. What about refugees? What about people in your school who are feeling lonely? What about your parents who would like you to do more chores at home? Just saying. You could always list more people and say, well, why aren't you doing more for those people? But you know what? You're only human and God knows that. But he has designed you and he's given you everything you need. He's prepared good works in advance for you to do. Do that. Don't say, no, I don't have time. Don't say, I don't have enough gifts. I'm not good enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not clever enough. I'm not patient enough. Don't make any excuses like those guys walking down the road uh, who also were walking down the road by God's set plan. <laughs> Um, don't be those guys who give themselves an excuse to walk past. If God has got you going down a road and seeing something and stirring something, do it. And as you do that, you will be blessed. You won't be overtaxed. When you're feeling overtaxed, it's probably because you're thinking uh, like that whole Good Samaritan story, oh, we have to do that for everyone. No, no, that's not what the story was for. You can't serve everyone's needs. Relax. But you also can't ignore the ones that God has appointed for you to serve. And that's what we want to be about today. So where are you at with that, in that story of the Good Samaritan? Are you that person for the people that God put you on the road to serve? That's what counts. Don't do it for everyone, but do it for some. Because that's what God's kingdom is made up of. People who like Jesus seek and save. People who are unlike Jesus in that we can't do it for everyone but we can do it for some, and that's his purpose for you. Let's pray. God, I'm really thankful that there is such a thing as the body of Christ, that we're not all meant to be the same, to have the same gifts and the same resources and, and travel the same paths, but you put us on the paths that you want us to be on in order to come across the, the people that you want us to connect with, to be your salt and light too, to be ambassadors of your grace too. God, I want to take a couple of moments today as we each think about our own circumstances in life. And we can be so busy travelling down our roads that we're not seeing the people that you have placed upon them. So Lord, would you help us to see the people who you've placed on the path of our lives? Lord, would you cause us to have your heart of compassion? That Samaritan had compassion because you put it there. That's an echo of your design. We want to experience that in our lives too. We want to live out of the compassion of Christ. So as we even have people come to mind, we know that we are, like the lawyer, inclined to be selfish, inclined to be thinking about, well, how do I get into heaven? And we tend to make life all about ourselves. And when we do that, we tend to lower the bar of, of how we treat other people as well. And we tend to want to cross names off our list. Surely I can't be expected to love that person. But God, don't let us walk down that path. Lord, would you give us your heart? Would you challenge us as to whether there are some people in our lives that you put there on purpose and we're wishing they weren't there? Lord, may compassion overwhelm that feeling. Lord, as we head out this week, uh, would you use us to be life changers in the way that that Samaritan was a life changer? Would you use us to point people to the salvation of Jesus because they taste some of his goodness in us? Lord, we pray this so that you might be glorified. 
that your kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you that you do reign, that you are doing great things in the lives of many, many people all around the world right now. And you're doing it through all of those who will share your heart and do what you want us to do. Amen.